This podcast may contain coarse language. Listener's discretion is advised. Also, this podcast will obviously contain spoilers for Demon Slayer. Please beware, listen at your own risk. Welcome to the Demon Slayer Podcast Manga Edition. I am your host, VLORGTZ, and with me today I have three very special people. First up, we have Sakaki. Yay, I'm back again. Take up way too much time. Sorry, (laughs) VLORG. Next up, we have Marion. I'm very honored to be called very special. I mean, you're all special in my hearts. No. <laughs> but of course, we can't forget our last guest for today, Lum Ranma Yasha. Guess who's back? Back again. Lum is back. <laughs> Tell a friend. Guess who's back? 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 In America, <laughs> what the crap was that? Not <laughs> <laughs> that song from Eminem. I mean, I have. We are in the present more music. Have you at least watched? Have you at least listened to the you know a bridge parody of the song? No, that's a thing. So uncultured. Wow. Well, excuse me. I, I don't listen to what the uh, cool kids are into nowadays. <laughs> that sounds that actually quite old. <laughs> yeah. It's like a old <laughs> You're showing your age, Vlor. <laughs> I thought I was the oldest one here, but clearly I'm not. <laughs> I've been secretly 50 years old this entire time. It's 17 years wow. old, Vlor. That song came out in 2002. <laughs> Like, yeah, it would have been four. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there. Okay, he has an excuse then. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, let's just get straight into talking about chapter 181 of Demon Slayer, because, boy, this one is a doozy. Yeah, with a chapter title like disaster, I mean, you weren't expecting happy things to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so on this first page here, we basically have a uh, Kiria. Just in shock after uh, the massacre that Muzan did at the end of the last chapter. And he's just kind of like sitting there still thinking to himself like, I was too late. It's all my fault. I made the wrong call and got like a bunch of uh, the demons that are slaughtered. Everything my ancestors did for centuries has been a waste now. And like... Finally, like, the person to break him out of that is, uh, I believe her name is Kanata. And Kanata basically just, like, slaps the heck out of, uh, out of Kiria. Just, like, tells, like, get it together and, like, hurry up and make the next order. Like, you're still the leader and everything. And, like, that kind of gets Kiria back into his senses and he's like, yeah, that's right. I'm the master now. Just like my father and my grandfather was. They had to deal with this pressure and hardship. Uh, I can handle it too. So, like, he gets himself back together. Um, he, like, uh, says, like, that they should continue to close in on Muzan and make sure the crows are, like, 
uh, helping with the navigation and to assemble all the Hasha and remaining Demon Slayers over to a single area so that they can fight Muzan all at once. Um, so one quick thing is that I completely forgot about this, but uh, Kanata and Kiria are actually the same two kids that we saw at the final selection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they look a bit different now, so I didn't notice it at first, but after looking it up before this chapter, I'm like, huh, th- this makes sense now. Everything makes sense now. They definitely look older and less doll-like like they did in the beginning. Yeah, I thought like both of those characters too were girls, but I guess like Kiria just looked like a girl. It was actually one of the, I think it was mentioned before, and it was actually one of the things I posted from the most recent volumes extras that revealed that he was one of those kids. <laughs> oh, okay. I, 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 did, I didn't translate it, but and I meant to, I forgot. But yeah, it was in it was in this, this the most recent volume that he, he was one of them. <laughs> yeah, and I think there was like an in-story, like lore reason that like, oh, he was like shy or uh, growing up or whatever, like. They dress him up as, like, a girl for, like, I forgot what the hell the reasoning was, but it's, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Jojolian for Part 8, but, like, there's a, like, yeah. a young, uh, like, a young boy character who also dresses up as a girl early on. Oh, yeah, because, like, in the Higashi Kata family in that part, like, they all dress up as girls when they're children to, like, hide from, like, the curse. Something like that. Yeah, the ward off of sickness. Yeah, it's, it's Tsurugi. I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 and like the reasoning kind of reminded me of that, but then okay. like now that he is, uh, he's taken up his post, he's like back to like presenting as a male. Yeah. Okay, we're up on my turn now. Okay, so the crow has the crows make the announcement, telling everybody they have to assemble now because Muzan's back, and you know we have the pillars who've been fighting, who've been fighting the I, I forgot her name. Wow, the B, well they just called her the Biwa woman, so let's go with that. Nakine. Nakime, there we go. Uh, yeah, they're fighting Nakime, and it's like, you know, uh, they're like, whoa, okay, we've been wasting time here, and Muzan's back? Uh, well, clearly we need to get over there. I mean, it's not like she's really... She's more annoying than deadly, but we have to... <laughs> but she is doing a pretty good job of keeping us from doing our job. <laughs> so, we, they're trying to get there, um, and the, then the scene changes. I mean, I... I'm having a tough time with names today. <laughs> I forget the snake tooler's name. Um, uh, yeah, Iguro. Iguro, yeah. He grabs um, Mitsuri, and and she, and then the scene changes to Giyu and um, Tanjiro. And I get the, I get the honor of being able to cover this two-phase thread that has nothing that nothing's being said, but it looks really cool. Where Giyu and Tanjiro have met up with Muzan. I think it's also worth noting that I think that Nakime is intentionally putting Giyu and Tanjiro in Muzan's location. Because we see her do all this strumming as we see uh, Muzan and Tanjiro and Giyu uh, intersecting in the same location. So I think that that was intentional on her part. Yeah, I love how like Nakime is like... Uh playing the biwa while like it's like going through those uh set of like four panels on uh, oh, yeah on page uh nine is just going like ben 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 yeah she's just- and then like the final ben is like like the fortress itself like moving together to put them in the same room the kanji is so great and also i love how the the final kanji as uh wiz translates it it's it's like 
it's just a perfect like shock moment like you have all this buildup of the strum 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 and the, the bump is like the huge shock moment of Gyu and Tanjiro coming face to face with Muzan finally super super dramatic and good and I love the trail of the kanji especially on Tanjiro's face in that panel to the left in the two page spread yeah, definitely agree. Like the, the whole setup to this was really nicely done, and I actually hadn't thought about it until Lum just said it. Which is that, yeah, maybe. Well, it's. I, I think it is probably likely that she set them up to be here together. Now, why that might be is something I'd love to see them build upon in future chapters. But for now, it looks as if she definitely has sent Giyu and Tanjiro to the guillotine or the guillotine. <laughs> so so one thing I, one thing I want to quickly bring up here is on page eight when uh Mitsuri is getting grabbed it I don't think it's Igoro that's grabbing her because like she's like surprised about it and she's saying like who while she's being cut off so I think it's someone else that's grabbing her there hmm. yeah I think it's I le- supposed to be left ambiguous like uh, who has grabbed her the world's greatest villager Murata. the most indestructible mob character in the series clearly uh, yeah after that amazing spread uh, you come again face to face with Muzan and Tanjiro has like this very strained expression on his face as he's like trying to catch his breath and he's just remembering like all of the people that have been like killed because of all the demons and like Muzan controlling them and he grips his sword, and you see like like a like a face of rage as like he's trembling. And Tanjiro, or Giyu tells to Tanjiro like calm yourself. You just have to calm down. Even though we also see Giyu is also straining. I love like the trail of panels like on uh, on page thirteen where you see like Tanjiro's dead family, then Nezuko, then like uh, Genya and the Hashira that have been killed in the battle and it's just like oof <laughs> like it's just everything weighing on Tanjiro at that moment I also like that it's just compressed into one page so it feels like a quick flash of reminder like it's not this long drawn out thing of the whole entire series like bam 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 you know why Tanjiro's here it, like it uh, tells you what you already know but it's like in such like an effective way like yeah. this is everything that's built up to this moment yeah yeah i really like that about that page because like you know I, I feel like i mean it would have been wrong if like uh Gultige wanted to spend more time on that but it it's succinct it gets the point across we know why tantra's mad we know why he's here we know what muzan has done here we are I mean, in fact, you could say this whole chapter is pretty succinct in that way. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm still overstepping my bounds. We still got more chapter to go. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. actually, like I wanted to say, like also, um, like that that a panel right before with uh, the Hashira and Genya, and then like going to the sword. Um, I I really like that one because then like when you see the hilt, you see like oh, it's Rengoku's hilt, and then like all all those other characters, they're they're people that Tanjiro trained with, and. Like, he still has, he has like a connection with them, even though like they're all like they're all demon slayers. But like he has actually spent time with them. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that's what really makes it hurt <laughs> when you, when you remember like how how brutally they all passed away. 
Yeah, I mean, Rengoku and Shinobu were like his mentors, and then uh, the other two were his friends. So, yeah, like, they all have a real personal connection to him. But I also love, like, when Giyu is telling Tanjiro to calm down, when you see his face, he has veins going, he has veins in his eyes. He's also furious. So, like, even though he's telling Tanjiro to calm down, like, he is also pissed off. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I like that even he's having trouble like holding his emotions. Like, it, Probably if Tanjiro weren't there, he wouldn't be able to keep calm. But he's like, okay, one of us has got to be the bigger person. I guess it'll be me, even though it's really difficult right now. I'm really going through some things. I know you're going through things, I'm going through things, but we both can't be going through things right now. <laughs> so Now's not the time to lose our shit. No, no. Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. But I, I do get the feeling that if, like, you were there by himself, like, there wouldn't... He would have just went for it. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, on the next page, as if Luzon is taking a hit, he starts off, like, a sort of, like, a like a monologue or speech to them, going, like, oh, you guys are so persistent. I'm getting sick and tired of you all, and I'm losing my patience. You're always yapping <laughs> about avenging your parents or your siblings or whatever. Like, mm. I gotta say about this page is I love the top panel moves on. It's like, it looks like he's almost lying down. Like, oh, God. <laughs> he gives, like, zero shits in this panel. Like, he's just, like, so discaring. Yeah. I mean, he's standing up, but the way that the panel's drawn, it's like he's leaning. He's, like, kind of leaning on his arm, like, God, you guys? Yeah, it's pretty much a like- angle. Like, uh, usually in yeah. when they use Dutch angles, it's for, like, oh, it's, like, unsteady. Like, it's supposed to be, like, mentally this... It's, uh, what, what's it called? Like you're, you're supposed to be like off your tilt here when when you yeah see yeah a I guess like that. yeah it's like but it's interesting how he's here just to show a sense of just he's just completely relaxed he's not bothered by them here it's like you guys why do you guys and again you know it starts off his old monologue about why don't you guys just stop <laughs> yeah. I, I don't get it <laughs> just stop. <laughs> disconnected from everything. One one detail I love about the setting here is that they're standing on basically the ceiling of this room because you can see that there are dinner tables like on the where where I guess to the top of them where the floor would be. Like the room is all topsy-turvy just like Muzan's morals. I do have to wonder though like how the tables are still like stuck to the floor you think they would have fallen down and have broken apart uh, on the actual ceiling if nakimi has like turned this room around but nakimi glued them to the fo- floor beforehand <laughs> so that she could do this maybe they did glue all their furniture to the floor because they knew that this castle's walls are going to be turning all- around all the time so That's yeah i have some smart <laughs> sometimes, sometimes Muzan wants actual upside down cake. I mean, I, 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 I feel like I feel like I feel like sometimes he feels festive and wants actual upside down cake. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, like to sit on the ceiling and eat his food. I don't know how the food falls off his plate. I guess he he has to hold it in his hands and eat it. Um, Let's see. Oh, I feel like he has enough speed to, to catch yeah. the football. Hold it in his hands like a peasant? <laughs> the obvious Clearly answer, he has somebody feeding it to him. <laughs> I think the obvious answer here is that, you know, everything's upside down because as he's saying this, he's feeling a little batty. 
<laughs> I mean, he is basically a vampire. As old I mean, as... he does look like a vampire at this point. Yeah, especially with these profound fangs. But, yeah, I mean, Muzan, he's a guy who's been around for a while. He's kind of become jaded to all these moral and emotions. And so, I love this page, Sharon, where he's saying, you know, I'm getting sick and tired of you guys. I was yapping about his revenge and avenging whatever so i love the page turn and the panel that hits you with him just saying so plainly isn't it enough that you're still alive and Gio and tandra's reaction tandra's question like they're just shocked they're like what is this guy saying but Muzan goes on he's saying you know what if i killed your loved ones considering yourselves lucky and carry on with your lives and Tanjo, again, shocked, unable to process what this guy is going on about. this saying, how can you say that? And Muzan's like, think of it as if they simply met with disaster. There's no need to make it more complicated than that. Rain, wind, volcanoes, earthquakes, no matter how many people they kill, no one seeks revenge against them. Why do they get off scot-free and not me? Muzan, I'm also a natural disaster. I should be exempt like them. But Man, anyway. Hurricane Muzan sure took a toll this year. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I should be considered a fact of life. No one should be going after me and causing me problems. It's such a pain. But basically, Muzan goes on and says, you know, the dead, they ain't coming back to life. Give up your grudge. Just make a living and pursue a quiet life. You know, that's what most people do. So why don't you? There's only one reason. It's because demon slayers are abnormal. It's not a problem with me. You're <laughs> the guys who are in the wrong. Oh Mind blown. Galaxy brain. Muzan. Muzan <laughs> <laughs> is tired of dealing with because he just wants it to end. So he just wants him to give up and run away, not bother him. And then we, I love how we see Tanjiro from the back here as we slowly through these three panels. We creep in on his face, see the soulless, quiet fury in his face. Just beautiful how Gotogi depicts just a sheer anger by not showing the tra- a traditional, like, furious face, just showing this, like, soulless, dead inside face, because he can't even process the sheer inhumanity the, of what Muzan is saying. How callous. How selfish how uncaring and unempathetic and just cruel this guy really is he gives no care in the world about human life at all he cares nothing about other people just a pure embodiment of selfishness and man this is such a great character chapter for this guy really is really so Man, if you, I, we were already on board with Muzan, but this is such a great villain moment. I absolutely love this so much. Just his entire philosophy. I mean, we were talking before we started the recording officially that in any other context, you know, if a hero was saying this in some shonen series, he would be, you're right. Revenge is not a good thing. It only leads to a cycle of violence and it won't make you feel better. You should just live your life to your fullest and move on. But coming out of Muzan's mouth, it's just so much more sinister. 
because he does not care at all for the people he's killed. He has just killed dozens of, of demon slayers and cruelly ate uh, Tamayo as she was crying in despair. He has no compassion whatsoever, no regard for human life. So for him to say all this, it just reveals just how inhumane this guy's mindset is, just how little he thinks of people and how he cannot understand at all how much other people care about each other, the, uh, why they would be mad and angry if their loved ones are dead because he is just so far removed from having any idea of what love or friendship or caring for anything beyond himself is anymore. He's just such a pure embodiment of selfishness and I am just so down for this villain. I I am ab- absolutely love this sequence. I love this scene. I'm super excited for this fight. Yeah, it's Tanjiro's reaction in this uh, final panel is just so interesting too because like we've seen him like get mad before. Like he was super furious at like Akaza just like a few fights ago, but like this is like to a whole nother, another level of like rage because it's it's reached the point where like Tanjiro can't even release a proper reaction. He just knows that yeah, Muzan just needs to die. There's no other way around it. He has to die. Right? They can't because they can't. You know, Tanjiro is someone we've seen time and time again be empathetic to his enemies. You know, not hold really much of a grudge against them. But with Muzan, you know, there is just no way around it. There is no redeeming this character because he just does not care about anything or anyone beyond himself. And that is what makes him so dangerous. That's what allowed so many people to die cruelly and unfairly and they can't let that cycle continue he can't be allowed to exist and go on as if he is some force of nature like he seems to think he is because he's not he is a person and he can be stopped and if he's not going to stop willingly they have to stop them by force him by force kind of just like the fact that what he's saying now seems to fly in the face of what he said last week (laughs) Like, <laughs> no, I mean, what, what's what's interesting me about Muzan's whole thing? Like, okay, last week he was like, okay, I'm gonna kill everybody, and now this week he's like, guys, can we just not? We just go home? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm he's like, he's, he, I, I almost, I hate making not, not that I even hate making this, this um comparison, but it reminds me, he, like, his whole thing almost reminds me of Kira from JoJo, where he's yeah. just like, I just want to live a quiet life, guys. I mean, I understand yeah. I've done a couple of things, and I don't know why you're mad, but yeah, just I mean, it's <laughs> just, a just very go. good. It's a very good comparison because Kira is also someone who tries to kill the protagonist at one point, but then it becomes too much of a pain for him. So then he just changes his identity and just tries to go on his life as normal and avoid fighting again. I think Muzan is very much the same way. Yeah. Like he's fought these guys before. It's a pain. He knows it's not going to be easy. And so he just wants them to just leave. It's very different from the other junior trainee demon slayers. Because those guys, he can just kill them in one go and eat them. So they're like 
applies to him. But these guys, he actually has to put in effort, and that's the last thing he wants to do. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of wonder too, like, because of course the whole thing with Tamayo is like she was supposed to be weakening him. So I kind of wonder if a little bit if he kind of he's putting on a front a little. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he is super duper powerful. I mean, at this point, hey, you know, it's likely he is really powerful. But I kind of wonder if he kind of knows, like, okay, wait, I'm, I'm strong, but for how long? And these guys, if they could last a little while against me, this could be a problem. So he's trying to kind of talk them out of it. But as Lumbus said, the problem with his speech is it sucks to normal people because you've done so much at this point, bro. It's not like you kill one or two people where we can kind of say, maybe we could talk this through. But you've done so much at this point that it's like, you can't. It, it, you can't. I, I just find it really interesting that he went, the last chapter, he went from everybody going to die to like, listen, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and, and it's just... It's just like, you know, and, and he's got, for as far as we know right now, I again, I wouldn't be surprised if something did happen, that Tamayo's thing did work to some extent. Maybe it's just delayed. But for right now, at least, we have the impression that Muzan is he's the most powerful thing right now. and He's in full Chad form. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's like, he's full Chad. So it's like, what? So he could easily kill these guys. So why is he suddenly trying to talk them out of fighting? Which I, I just find that really interesting. Especially since at the end of last week, he made it sound like I could kill all you in my sleep. <laughs> so, but then why not just do it? When they when the room flipped over and he turned around, I mean, when Tantrill's like, he moves on, you know, he could have easily taken their heads off and that would have been it. But instead, he's talking to them. Part of me feels he just wanted to piss off Tanjiro. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I could, I, I could kind of imagine that too, but I just feel like as well, it's just, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that, that's of course just a pet theory of mine, but I just find it interesting. It's just completely different than his attitude from last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I think so. And it would, it would actually go well with what we were saying about, uh, 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 why am I so bad for me? Uh, yeah, Nakime. It could it could go with what we were saying about how she purposely put them together. Like, oh, she, yeah. you know, maybe maybe it's the thing where Muzan's like, oh, that, ten, that Tantro kid's here? Uh, let me go mess with him for a little bit. <laughs> so. Teasing yeah, Master Muzan-san. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you were saying something to me, uh, Marion. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, it's all good. Um, I was thinking, like, a couple things. Uh, like, I definitely got the Kira comparison. Um, and it's funny because like it's not like he wants the quiet life he's telling them to like hey you should just like go go live a quiet life yourself you know that kid guy he probably had a he probably had a good idea you should uh you should be more like him uh. be like good guy Kira <laughs> yeah Muzan is the first person to say Kira did nothing wrong since <laughs> Sekira women can live in peace <laughs> Oh, no, I can't believe you went there. <laughs> oh no, but yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point, though. And then um, about uh, like specifically with like the speech and like talking to Tanjiro and like messing with him. Um, I think it could be like it, it could be a number of things. Um, like I don't, I don't really buy this like completely. Like it could, it could be like. Because we were just talking about how inhumane he is and how, like, he easily just, like, casts aside people, kills them off. Like, he doesn't care about, like, he doesn't really care about people in general. 
So like this could this could easily be like something to just like throw him off guard or whatever, and then like the instant like it lowers his guard or whatever, he'll just try to like kill him, go him like that. But also like the only reason like that would even work is because like they say like some of the best uh some of the best loves are like lies with a bit of truth mixed in. So like I'm sure part of this like he actually he does believe this about himself. Like oh I'm just like a force of nature. Like people shouldn't be like that surprised. Like come on. People die. It's all right. <laughs> but um, I get, yeah, yeah. I no, think, go ahead. Go ahead. I think like one of the most like interesting parts of this chapter to me is like on page sixteen, where his comment specifically like, "Oh, isn't it enough that you're still alive?" And like the your like the emphasis put on your, and then the the panel immediately after, like you see like the shock on Tanjiro's face, but for Giyu, it looks a lot more complicated. And that, that's reminding me of, like, I don't know if this was, uh, I think this was in, like, The Gap, so I don't know if Lum read this chapter, but uh, when we found out about Giyu training and, like, how he he was uh, he was friends with Sabito, and, like, he has, like, a bit of survivor's guilt because of that whole encounter. Oh, yeah, because, like, didn't, like, uh, Giyu fall, like, uh, lose consciousness or something during the final selection when he woke up, like, Sabito had been killed? Yeah. Oh, something like that. Yeah, I and then that. he his whole thing was that like he he had like a he had basically like survivors go about like uh, how his best friend got killed off or like uh, he 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 ended up being like strong enough to be like the successor and like the the the, the next water pillar. But he always felt like Sabito would have been if he were alive, he would have been the one to take that mantle up. And like he doesn't feel like worthy of being alive himself. But then hearing this comment from Muzan is like, it really, like, you see, like, in his expression, like, how painful it is. And mm. I, I, ne- I never expected this kind of interaction with, like, that line specifically, like, hitting Kiyu, but, like, oh, man, I really want to see, like, how he's going to react next chapter because of that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's such a small panel, too. So, I, I'm a, I, you would just think, yeah, I'm looking at the page now, and, like, while Tanjiro, yeah, is, like, rightfully, like, what? <laughs> yeah, Kiyu's expression's, like, there's just a lot going on on his face, and I have to say, and for such a small panel, that Kotoke did a good job expressing this. <laughs> right, and oh, the you know the last panel with uh, Tanjiro's like dead dead eye face, yeah, like that immediately reminded me of um just because it was recent, like the in the the Spider Mountain arc where after, you know the 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 people who were like strung up and like basically manipulated by strings, and like their their limbs were like twisted into like really like awful positions and like they couldn't even control their body uh yeah. immediately after like they got like uh like their heads twisted and like killed off that way like Tanjiro had a moment just like that there but his face was obscured and then uh we didn't get to see it until actually we didn't see it at all it, all we saw was that like that like dark aura or whatever and then later on like uh his face changes because uh he sees like the the demon in question who did it and she she wanted to like die like a like a merciful death like she gave herself up. We're, we're not gonna get anything like that from Buzan. So like, the fact yeah. That, like I'm scared that like Tanjiro is gonna do some crazy stuff and like lose He'll a piece of humanity. Finally, cave into his impulses, actually kill for revenge. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would be surprised if it, that would happen. Yeah, I think that at the very least. Muzan might push him to do that as one final F you 
if he, you know, is on the losing side and knows he's not going to get out of this alive, he will at least try to corrupt the soul of Tanjiro. Yeah. Just so that he gets the last laugh. Yeah. A very Legata Blue Summers kind of movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's going to be like a, like a Kokushibo situation and uh, maybe like Tanjiro can have like the last, the last hit in to like behead him or whatever, but Muzan's going to make it so like, oh, you have to kill Giyu if you want to kill me at the same time. Something, oh god. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Duzan's not going to have the whole flashy, oh, you know, feel sorry for me. Actually, this is what happened. I, I really think that maybe all of the all of the um sympathy, the de- demon sympathy that we've had over this led up to Muzan being like that one guy we can't forgive. 98% of these guys you can. <laughs> not him. Not him, no. Yeah, I mean, like, we already saw Muzan's backstory and, like, you can feel sorry for for him to an extent that he didn't want to really become a demon, but at the same time, he's still a terrible person. Yeah, he's yeah. still very much a terrible person. So it's like, I, I have to wonder. I mean, I kind of get the idea, at least with the pacing so far with this, is that we might get a chapter more of them, but I feel like we're going to probably scoot over to the uh, to Mitsuri and um, uh, yeah. the others. I feel like they're, we're going to scoot to them for a little bit, because I can't see... Like them taking out, although then again, Gotoge has been really good at subverting our expectations. But I can't see them defeating Muzan, and then we still got Nakime just flipping around the castle. <laughs> so yeah, I don't see that happening. <laughs> so anything, I, I don't. I kind of feel like hmm? yeah. Oh my god! Uh, no, if cool. anything, maybe uh, they'll do something where they don't kill her completely, but like they incapacitate her and take her her Biwa. And it's it's gonna be like the drum demon. Yeah, and maybe that's how, that, that's how the other Hashiro maybe show up to the battle. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, perhaps Nakimi doesn't need to die for the fight to end. It'd be interesting. What would happen to her if Muzan dies? Wouldn't she also die, or would she turn back into human? What would happen to her? I think she would stay a demon. She just like Muzan just wouldn't be able to control her. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really know that much about Nakime's interiority, like what her internal motivations are. She gives off a very Kana-esque vibe from Inuyasha to me, in terms of being someone who is kind of silent and just going along with her master's plans, and we don't really know that much about her. But with Kana and Inuyasha, eventually it comes to a point where we do start to see the cracks inside her and she does eventually betray Naraku. I wonder if we might see something similar with Makimi here or perhaps she just might end up surviving this somehow and she just goes on to live another day. Like, uh, there, I have not read, watched Takaishi many years, but there was that one big arc where they killed off most of the antagonist group except for this one character who went on and survived for the next arc. So maybe it'll be kind of like that. I think I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, because I, I even think that's where the anime ended, I believe. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, that's where the anime ended. So yeah, I know I know what you're talking about. And then like, you know, yeah, it was it, it was actually weird. It, anyway, uh, I'm getting off subject. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what happens with Nakime. If like they will take her out, or if she is just not a factor as all the players converge on me. Nakima will become the new main villain. <laughs> Maybe she is the Zetsu to Muzan's Madara. 
<laughs> Maybe she's serving a higher power and we're going to get a last minute twist that the villain wasn't Muzan. It was this character you didn't know about until a few chapters ago. Existed. <laughs> It'll be a copy of situation all over again. I kind of, I kind of, we were actually discussing this like in other episodes, well, like in other episodes of the podcast where we were like, you know, what if it is a last minute switcheroo? I kind of, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know at this point because it is weird that we've just got those two in particular left, and now we're. I, I still think that. Right now, Gotoge is just setting up, hey, like, okay, here you go. This is the fight that you all were expecting. I'm going to set it up, but I'm going to do other things in the meantime. They'll be there, and then when I get, we'll get back to them. At least, I don't know. Like, it could be a thing where, again, Gotoge subverts our shonen expectations, and they do defeat Muzan, and maybe Nakime does, and then Nakime stops playing B-Wild, like, well, that bitch is done for. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Yes, I gotta go and put, I guess I gotta wear the pants in this situation. <laughs> and, and, and that, that could be possibly what happens, but I, I, I kind of feel like, at least in this case, Gotoge will probably stick with traditional things because it happens all the time you know you get all the fights set up and you know you know that the main character is going to fight this person but we don't get that fight until all the other fights are done yeah <laughs> so i, I kind of feel like Gotoge is going to go traditional with that like yeah because we knew this fight was coming but we're gonna get the other fight finished first because it, it, again it just seems weird to me that they that Gotoge would leave like would jump right into this one and then finish it, and then when we know this is the fight we've been waiting for, or it could happen that she that Gotoge goes and they have this fight, and then midway through, like I was saying, like Muzan, whatever Tamayo did, it kicks in, and they move the Muzan. Maybe he's like, oh crap, and then he has to go back to Nakime, and then we get we still get the other route where it's like Nakime is like coming to beg for me for help. Pitiful. <laughs> so I, I don't know, but I, definitely the next few weeks are gonna gonna be interesting to see how things unfold. Yeah, this just mainly makes me wonder like how long the Nakime fight's gonna be. Like I can't imagine being longer than like ten chapters, but then like the fight with Muzan probably can't be any longer than that either. So it's weird to think about how much time Demon Slayer has left before it's over, if it does end with this arc. I mean, this arc, when it ends, it'll be like a third of the series, pretty much, because it started like 50 chapters ago. Holy so, crap, it's been that long. <laughs> yeah. So that'd be interesting. But yeah, I, I do wonder, like we're approaching the 200 chapter, so will it end in 20 weeks? Who knows? But it's getting there for sure. Maybe uh, maybe like they'll because it's. I find it very very weird that like the whole Nakime Iguro and Mitsuri uh thing happened like so long ago and it's still happening. That maybe like the whole build up it's supposed to be that uh they end up like quote unquote crashing the party and like uh, yeah yeah. I have I have a feeling that like. Igoro and uh, Mitsu are going to beat Nakime at a critical moment in the fight with Muzan. Yeah. Oh, I mean, of all the Hashira left standing, they're the two that are have the most stamina and aren't damaged at all. So when if they get involved in the fight, they'll be real essential players because they have not taken any damage, essentially, while everyone else is exhausted or dying. <laughs> 
Plus, in theory, since Nakime like generated the fortress, if they beat Nakime, the fortress goes away, and they'll all be in the same location then. Yeah. That's true, too. That is actually true. So it actually it feels like it would make more sense for them to beat her first before Muzan. Which is why I feel like it does. it probably will go a more traditional route, but... I, I you 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 do make a good point, Lum. That it's like you have two Hashira that are, haven't been touched, essentially. <laughs> so it it is, and as Velor said, it is weird that it's like their whole thing has been going for this long. Granted, I guess it makes sense in a way too, because again, if they defeated her, then the fortress is gone, and that's that wouldn't then you know then it, obviously that wouldn't help Muzan very much. But I also don't see her really interfering in this fight. Like I kind of feel like you know, if there at this point, I, it, it's it's just it's just a lot of things going on because like again, if it really feels like to me whether we want to agree that Muzan is just messy with Tanjiro and whatever or he isn't, it really does feel to me that he ultimately he seems more reluctant to fight them than at least when he massacred all of those other demon slayers last chapter. I mean, he did so without much. Uh, any qualms to it, but he seems a little bit more reluctant to fight them than even if he is just saying, I'm let me get in your head for a minute. But it also kind of leads to why, why bother other than, yeah, this is because he's met Tanjiro like once. And I guess while Tanjiro's like foiled his plans and everything like that, I don't think he's done anything major enough. I guess I, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm like saying this right. Like, yeah, Tanjiro's been there, and he and you know he's been in fights with some of the you know uh, uh, Muzan's capo, but it's like it's not a thing where he's been mowing through them single handedly. Where like Muzan would have to be like, okay, this kid's kind of getting annoying. Like he's been at these big fights, but he has, and maybe he's been an instrumental in them. But it's like there are still bigger fish to fry, I guess. And now a lot of them are dead, so it's like. I don't know. What is Muzan's... Like, uh, well, Tanjiro's whole thing is, like, with the, the Hinokami Kagura and, like, the, the Hanafuda earrings, like, that's the connection he has to um, Yorichi, I guess. And, like, that's how also how... The, the earrings, specifically, that's how Muzan, like, identified him. But, like, <clears throat> if we go back to, like, the, the first flashback where it shows up and... Uh, Tanjiro's dad tells him, like, if anything happens, just make sure, at the very least, that you have the earrings passed down and the dance. But, like, what significance does the earrings have? Because they haven't really, like, done much, I guess? I don't know if it's supposed to be, like, like I don't know, like a do-sex machina thing toward the end. <laughs> I think it's just a symbolic meaning, just passing on, like, the, the dance of the fire god, like, just like a traditional thing that comes with it. Yeah, but then, like, what? what's the point of... Because you could just learn to dance. I mean, t- that's not a terrible point. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I actually kind of agree with Marion. It's like, yeah, I, the dance makes sense. But it's like, why do these... I mean, I think the earrings are just like a family, like, heirloom. So, like, you just pass them down. I mean, yeah, I guess it's just that he specifically mentions them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then when Muzan goes like, oh, get me the Demon Slayer with the Hanafuda earrings, like, okay, so what what, what are the earrings for? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're they're an identifiable marker. Like, you're not going to find many other people with Hanafuda earrings. (laughs) (laughs) It's been bugging me for like 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, now that Miron brings it up, I, I kind of feel the same way. Because, like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, I can understand Muzan just being like, okay, this is how you find this guy. He's got this on. And, and it could just be just that, and that's it. But again, it seems like a really weird thing for them, for both Tanjiro's dad and Muzan to specifically point this out. <laughs> like, there are a lot of other ways you could identify, you know, Tanjiro. But yeah, the earrings are a big part of that. But yeah, it's just. Why specifically that? So Clearly the earrings are going to make him go Ultra Instinct during the fight, and he'll just be able to one-shot Buzan. He's going he's gonna to take him off like Rock Lee's weights, and he's just going to be able to play better. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously. I mean, they're, they're as, and of course, like, I mean, well, I guess maybe that leads into why Muzan is, like, messing with him, because he's like, well, now I'm going to take them earrings, because I've always wanted them, actually. <laughs> I look better with them on anyway. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I, it would be really funny if that's what this... I, I'm kidding. But yeah, I, I, that, I, I do, I do kind of like get, understand where Miriam, Miriam's going with this. It's, like, it's just such a weird thing to specifically point out several times. Especially when, so far, it hasn't had any significant meaning in the story other than... Yeah, it might just be a family heirloom and it's just important to pass down because, hey, this is... This has been in our family for generations, like the Armstrong. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it might be something just like that. That just you, you just do it, you know. But like the Geico commercials, you, you if you if you have if you have the earrings, you wear them and you pass them out. You just do it. <laughs> you just. <laughs> but it's just weird that that's been specifically mentioned, and there hasn't been any real like. And and, and I mean, again, I'm not saying Kotoke has to have like. A deeper reason it could be in the end that that is the reason they're just there's no earrings exactly uh maybe they, maybe they're like uh i don't know this is uh throwing uh something out of left field maybe it has something to do with the the hidden form that he doesn't know yet for the the dance like I'm maybe sure. maybe it makes a certain noise in the wind as it's dancing or something i don't know it's something i i want the earrings to to be important <laughs> 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 I mean, like I don't bl- I, when he's breathing and dancing, I don't know. Maybe, like again, I—I I mean, now you've got me just kind of thinking about this, and I back, I was kind of like with V Lord a little while ago, where I was just like, they're just—they're just dope. I don't need them; they don't have another reason. But now I want them to be important. <laughs> so I got my YouTube theories cap on. <laughs> Don't you mean your YouTube earrings? <laughs> theorist earrings. <laughs> my YouTube theorist earrings, yes. I wear them only on my vlog. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they I'm over here in front of Luzon right now. He's talking a lot of shit. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm ready to slice his head off. <laughs> Speaking of other things I've been wondering... Um, so we still haven't really gotten a proper explanation for how Muzan found out uh, the Kamado family's connection to Yoroichi. So I wonder if, like, before this fight ends, if, like, there will be, like, a flashback, like, kind of going through that. Mm. I mean, they're probably descendants of uh, Kokushibo's family. Well, so, like, uh, in one of the flashbacks, uh, I think right uh, before the swordsmith villager click it has that flashback where we see uh yoroichi at like the home of the commodos okay so like it's i think like and like i think the 
head of the household at the time is like, is there anything we can do to like repay Yoroichi? So it's kind of implied that oh. like what Yoroichi did as like the repayment thing is like he taught them the fire dance of the fire god to pass on like his legacy. But like we don't know how Musan found out about that because it's clear that Kokushibo wasn't aware that the Commodos had met Yoroichi. Yeah, because uh, he thought the the breath died out already. Yeah, this this thing. I I guess another interesting thing about Demon Slayer is like I like this whole thing about passing stuff down, like not just through your family, but just in general. I kind of like that. That's kind of a theme, you know. That there's always some, you, like you should. Yeah. Exactly. It's inherited will. There we go. <laughs> the will of the Kamado. We, yeah, we even had Banks this chapter. Nirwana would want to use the Bing Bang. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I was, oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, like, but yeah, I, I, but that's one thing I, I've liked about Demons. Because, like, I guess a lot of, like, shonen manga, not all of them, but, I, well... Well, lately it's been a little different. Where you get, a lot of, in the past, a lot of manga was about being in the moment, things happening in the moment. Like oh, yeah. I gotta do this thing right now. But I do feel like there's more of a thing nowadays where like it's more about leaving something behind. That is so, true. And I, I, at least, at least, just I mean, after reading through the Shonen uh, Champion and Shonen Sunday interview, it's been interesting to just kind of read through kind of like the history of Shonen and how things have evolved in storytelling. So, because yeah, I'm I'm thinking of just past shonen series where it's just like yeah, I, and there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, the heroes are fighting usually a villain in the moment. They're not thinking about okay, well, what am I gonna do tomorrow? What am I gonna tell my kids about this? <laughs> I mean, usually they're kids themselves, so they're not thinking that far ahead, which is fine. But like, you get a lot nowadays where it does seem like more authors are having this kind of voice where they want to say i want to leave something you know i want these deep where the where the story seems to be more about leaving something behind than it is you know being a flash in the pan Mm -hmm. so which is interesting to me i wonder how much this has to do with like just like this generation of authors like growing up on like those older classics but then also with i guess the situation in japan with like the declining birth rate and like there's like a lot of stuff going on politically as well where like the younger generation is like they're trying to do this just that like making sure that they they leave their kind of like imprint on the world like leaving like a fulfilling impact yeah yeah i kind of get i mean we we discussed this on our episode too where where it's just like definitely you can see like a paradigm shift with shonen authors of today and yesteryear i mean it feels like definitely it feels like they're pulling away. I don't want to even say pulling away because you can definitely see a lot of the classics in the new stuff. So I don't want to say so much that they're trying to like say, well, the old stuff is shit now. We want to do our own thing. They're still very much inspired by the classics. But it's also kind of a thing where they're not beholden to them. Yeah. Like you could definitely tell with like the Naruto One Piece Bleach generation that they grew up on that stuff and a lot of the flaws that. Like, they grew up on, like, Dragon Ball and a lot of the flaws and strengths that Dragon Ball have, they have. (laughs) But then you have the generation that grew up on basically One Piece and stuff and how they seem to be moving away. Like, they're they're embracing what makes some of it great while doing a lot of different things. Yeah, like, whatever kind of 
um, like they, they're taking the stuff that they love and then also it, it's kind of like remixing it to like include whatever kind of sensibilities they learned as like the new generation like yeah yeah the, to, to include more of a contemporary flavor into it yeah I, I and that's something I, I you know I that's something I'm noticing with especially jump mm-hmm but like I mean, I especially yeah, especially jump because again, um, when I read the inter- when I was translating the interview, one thing that they that Sunday did pretty much say is they didn't pre- they didn't flat out say that we're stuck in our ways, but they did kind of sort of say that this is our formula, this is what we like, and this is this is what people want from us, and we're we're not really looking so much to innovate unless you know the people ask us to. But for the most part, people expect this from Shonen Sunday, so that's what we do. In comparison to like, I mean, Jump especially, but like the the editor of Sunday was praising Champion, for example, for being more rough and in, innovative. I mean, after all, you get something like B Stars and, yeah. and Champion. <laughs> so like, it's interesting that you know he was saying, yeah, Sunday's kind of refined and stuck in its. <clears throat> I, I I don't want to say stuck in its ways, but it's very refined and it's got a template. Like you, you can a lot of times this is what Sunday a Sunday series is and you can even if you don't know it's a Sunday series you can usually tell if you've read enough. But then you get stuff like you, then you get jump nowadays, which is really kind of changing up the formula of how they do stuff. And you know, that's why we get something like Demon Slayer now, where again empathy is a big thing and leaving something behind is a big thing with this series, which with other shonen it isn't so much. Yeah, I totally agree. This reminds me of actually like this is a little off topic. Uh, a couple of days at work, we got a new employee, and I work at like a like a Japanese restaurant, uh, and uh, we got a new Japanese employee. He's like a I don't know how old he is, but he's kind of like middle aged, uh, and he's he's like a busser. And he was telling me like, oh, your Japanese is uh, pretty good, like conversationally and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah yeah, it's, uh, I get a lot of practice here, but also like I studied at school, and then. Well, we were going back and forth, like, oh, so what, what, uh, what made you want to study it or whatever? I'm like, oh, I, I like really old, uh, Shonen Jump stuff like Dragon Ball. And he was like, ah, I see. And, uh, he was telling me about how, like, you know, like, Jump is so, like, formulaic and there's all, like, but they, like, stick to it because that's what works. But then, like, more recently, like, he's like, he's like, he, I think he's, like, in his 30s or whatever. But then he was telling me, like, oh, do you have any other things that you like? And I'm like, oh, I love Slam Dunk. And he, he gave me this look like, oh, wow, that's, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> out of the more recent stuff, have you heard of Haikyuu? And I'm like, oh, I love Haikyuu too. And he's just like, yeah, that's like, he, he was telling me like, it felt like a like slam dunk, but fresher, like new, like a, like a kind of like a remix almost. And like, that's, that. yeah, that's like, that's the kind of impression I'm getting from like this generation of like jump series, like, uh, especially when it comes to like the premises themselves and how the, the characters flesh that out like um like demon slayer like uh like hero Aka, like and that also has that series my hero also has like uh that element of like leaving something behind with yeah. like the inheritance of will and like all made and deku and like taking up the mantle it's something that like it's like the same like basic jump formula thing where it's like friendship after victory and like uh people team up but like also they have their goals and all this stuff i don't know how to describe it but it's it's definitely like a like a wave of, of of this uh generation that's going on right now yeah yeah i i i can agree with that i agree with that 
Mm-hmm. Like it's just a thing where again they're embracing their the old values while saying, but what if we did a little thing here? What if I just add a little bit of what I like or what yeah. what matters to me in this moment into it? But what if it was uh twenty nineteen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean that that's 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 it. What if what if it's this year that I made the or whatever year I started, since you know, obviously Kimetsu started way wow, it's actually almost at what, four years? I think it was twenty 15? 16? 2016. Okay. So, yeah, we're almost at the four-year mark with it. So, yeah, it's it, it does feel like a, a thing where they're just kind of, you know, hey, I'm updating. It's almost updating, a cl- almost updating the classics, but not really, since obviously they're new series and new characters and everything. But Yeah, I mean, I think Maxi uh, said it best a while back that Shonen Jump especially falls, I think, an iterative approach, especially with its series, that a lot of authors take influence from the Shonen Jump series or the series that they love that came before them, and they bring that love into their works. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree with that. Yeah, you can feel it. But yeah, it, but I, I mean, going back to Kimetsu, I do just kind of wonder where, like, it, it, every week it seems to it seems to be just a thing where it's like, where is this going next? And I I gotta say, I kind of love the I kind of like that about Jump. <laughs> when I do read the series, is like you do get that week. It's it's fun to read them weekly, even even if in even as as frustrating as it can be, it's actually kind of fun to read them weekly. Especially when they're doing it right, like Kimetsu is, which is like, you know, you just never know where things are going. I mean, although the last couple of weeks have been kind of felt like they they've been one long event <laughs> but yeah. i mean the whole arc obviously but especially these last couple chapters have felt like they're one long event rather than being three separate chapters i still am just wondering you know obviously that we're able to make all of these theories and you know consider what we're and talk about what we think will happen it means that there's obviously a lot of hype there yeah especially like week to week now that like there's so much buzz because like the anime and stuff like all the all the discussion and stuff it it, it brings to the table a kind of um I, I brought up one piece before but it's like a similar experience for me where uh it's like people reading it each week and like oh what do you think about this what about this and, like oh look this panel is crazy what about uh what if this idea leads to this or whatever but then you also have the experience of like how you said this is like a like a pretty long arc but like it feels it feels like one long sequence that like once it's evolving format it's gonna be just as enjoyable for the people going through it for the first time and that's something i also look forward to like just getting to revisit this and like any uh maybe not a confirmation or deconfirmations of like things that we were discussing but then like we'll have more context of like oh did did you actually? Was he actually thinking of uh, what I thought he was when I saw that one panel? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what makes us fun to come do podcasts like this. It's just then we can all come back and revisit our what we thought the next week and be like, "Oh man, we were totally wrong," <laughs> or "Oh shoot, the oh shoot, the the conspiracy is alive." <laughs> you know, I should have really actually made a YouTube video about that. Oh, got so many views. <laughs> <laughs> Were you wearing your ear? Were you wearing your earrings when you made that? When you made that? Uh, when you made that prediction, bro? Because oh, you totally were people. <laughs> you know, I had them on, and like I, I clipped them on on the same ear, and on the other ear, I was holding it down, and he 
like, oh, brain waves came to me, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I think I'm channeling Gotoke. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, 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 it's like, I, I, it's great. Again, and I've said it several weeks in a row that I've been on, it's just, I, I just think that Demon Slayer is a series that, that right now, at least, un- unlike Muzan, can do no wrong. Because <laughs> 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 I, 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 even with this week to week, even with this, because when you think about it, not much has happened in the last since you know, um, the bro, the brothers uh, passed away. It's like not much is. I mean, it's only been two weeks, of course, but even then, it's like not much has happened. Yeah. So and even yeah, it's all it's all been very transitional, and even then, it's still like thrilling to read. So. Oh, you know it's weird. Something weird I just noticed uh, on page seventeen when uh, uh, Muzan is responding to Tanjiro saying, "Can you say that on his uh, on his forehead?" Reminds me a little bit of Tanjiro's scar, even though I know it's not really. Yeah, I feel that might be intentional in Gotoki's part to draw like. Some sort of para- parallel. I mean, like, Muzan is kind of like a dark version of uh, Tanjiro, kind of like his polar opposite and being so unempathetic where Tanjiro is all about empathy. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and yeah, I, I can kind of see it. Oh, so also, like, uh, we heard about, like, uh, as the mark spreads or whatever, like, that just means, like, your lifespan is, like, getting lowered, I guess, because uh, I forgot how that works, but. It like sucks. I think you're trading strength, or you're tra- trading your lifespan for more strength, basically. Oh, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, and because Muzan, all he does is like feed off lives. He has like this, these marks like all over his body, like just interesting. So okay, that actually goes back to what I was saying about him being strong, but for how long? Because if it is trade, if it is like that, then maybe he's like super duper strong. But if they can just last long enough, that he'll just fade, and that's why he's like exerting his strength would cause that to accelerate and that's why he's kind of trying to be like guys we don't really have to do this <laughs> you could just you know forget about your loved ones i've done it look how i turned out one thing i've been wondering is like if demons can obtain the mark because like if you remember back in the red light district arc nezuko actually got the mark in the fight with Daki. It was different though, wasn't it? Like a like a flower. It was a different kind of mark, but uh, oh, but you're right. Totally. The thing is, is that the mark isn't always the same on different people. Like I think Mitsuri has a different kind of mark compared to Tanjiro and uh, and uh, Giyu. yeah, Giyu. I think actually Giyu's reminded me a little of like water drops. So maybe like maybe it corresponds to whatever kind of I guess element you're like Person. more. Yeah, or personality or something. Yeah, affinity, that's a better word. This actually kind of goes back to, like, uh, well, when we were thinking of, like, what would Nezuko do if, like, she turns back to being human? I'm thinking, like, maybe if she already has the mark, she already has the aptitude of a demon slayer, and she can just, like, Go for cut down demons right away. <laughs> Pick up her breath. And then it's like... <laughs> she she just ends the chapter with the, the spider lilies from the anime. <laughs> I'm I'm ready for it. <laughs> Nezuko just has her own unique breathing technique, Nezuko breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I hope she gets to do something before this is all said and done, because it would suck if she just was sidelined until the finale. I feel like she kinda has to. 
Like, you want to make sense, like, thematically for the series for not to be involved. Yeah, yeah. She's going to help, like, uh, her and Tanjiro are going to land the final blow somehow. I hope so, because, like, you know, I I like that she was able to become human to an extent, but it would be nice to, you know, it would, it's like you said, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't sit well if it just was just like, okay, well, now she's the princess that needs to be saved. But on that point, on that point, like, Muzan is sort of after her, so that's definitely something to consider, because she is what he wants to be. Yeah, but she's only valuable if she's a demon. If she goes back to being human, then, like, I don't think, like, he's interested in it, because he just is interested in Nezuko's ability to survive the sun. True. I mean, I, but, I mean, she's not fully there yet, so, I guess, I'm trying to remember, yeah, she's, like, Quasi human. <laughs> well, she's like she's like sleeping right now with like the antidote right. under effect. Okay. So like, if the antidote works, then like Muzan has no reason to like find her necessarily. Okay. So basically, but he'll probably still kill her, of course. Because yeah, Muzan. I mean, so, so yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, maybe um, maybe she'll be in a state like similar, like a reverse Genya, where she's like default demon, but like she can. Turn it on and become human. So she has to eat humans to become human. <laughs> <laughs> god, V Lord, we're, we're wow. <laughs> that would oh god, that, that, that's I mean, that, that would literally be reverse Kenya. <laughs> I just meant in the way that his power works, but like you're right, he also has to. Yeah, he has. <laughs> v Lord, we need to talk. Need <laughs> you off mic. <laughs> <Just>, <laughs> Just that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, because like, I, I, the fact that like no. sorry, uh, she in that no, like no. docu fight, she had like that horn come out, uh, and like that's like the closest we've seen. Well, not because we saw Han Tengu, uh, but like demon horns and like actual like pony. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she's Maybe. always kind of she's always kind of had a look of. I mean, other than the fact, other there are of course are telltale signs that she's a demon, but otherwise you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be wrong to think she's just a human with, like, you know, <laughs> a bamboo <laughs> thing in her mouth. <laughs> so she's like been the most human-looking demon in the series so far. Like, I guess. Well, no. Then again, there was the spider guy, Rui. Nah. So he's, he's too pale. Nah. He had those face markings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Every other I, demon I has been like super pale. It's true. It's true. I mean, I mean, Tamayo and. Uh... Oh, uh, what's his face? Really, like, really human. Yeah, you should. Uh, they're like very human-like. Yeah, but they're also pale, like like bord- bordering on like really white skin. I guess. Yeah, they're they're, they're kind of pale. They have, she, Nezuko has like a more like human complexion for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's part of the thing that because she can deal with sunlight a little better than everyone else. <laughs> so, and she's also not consuming like any, I think, blood whatsoever. Either way, I, I hope that I, I, and that's something that I just thought about too. Is that that really hasn't been addressed in any way? It's just been always kind of like that's just Nezuko, you know. Well, I think it's been addressed in that as an alternative to uh, eating, she's been sleeping. Oh, that's right. And that's why those deep sleep periods have been happening. Maybe that's the cure for being a demon. It's just to sleep it off. It's just like a bad cold. <laughs> That's the easy cure is just to rest and not work yourself up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, how Tommy will explain, like, 
Nezuko's ability to survive in the sun, it's like, because she was in that, like, uh, comatose state, her body was slowly fighting the, I think, whatever, like, internally is, like, preventing her from being out in the sun. And eventually that broke down, and she was able to be fine in sunlight. Hmm. Okay. Her body, like... Okay, I I totally... He's a Nezuko's a Pokemon now. <laughs> they use Sunstone <laughs> It's it's a Nezuko ton. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, let's be fair. Nezuko does sound like a Japanese Pokemon name. <laughs> but but no, I, I totally forgot that they actually did explain that a little bit. I mean, a little bit, but it's still just kind of like you know, everybody's just sort of ex- just accepted that she's not like the others <laughs> yeah we haven't really like got an explanation of like why nezuko was able to do this when other people have been turned into demons can't she's not like all the other demons yeah yeah so i i would definitely hope that at least we, i mean i'm sure Gotoke will give us some kind of explanation i mean it obviously you know the vehicle for that is the fact that um um Guzan is interested in her, so you know, obviously, in that, in that sense, then if he is, then we have a story reason for her for that to be an explanation. So yeah, I feel like it all probably comes down to the Commodore's connection with Yoruichi in some in some way. <laughs> but like, the question is like, what what is the what is the significance of that connection? Right, right. Oh, you know what? New theory. Nezuko's gonna take the ba- <laughs> gonna take the bamboo stick and she's gonna like drum with it and it's gonna supplement Tanjiro's dancing. Oh my gosh! The combo. They got to. They've been like the the power sibling pair of the series. It's gotta be something like that's gonna happen. My my supporting <laughs> evidence. Just, my supporting evidence <laughs> is uh in the flashback. She was yeah. the tambourine. Oh the- my gosh. <laughs> that's, how they, that's how she gives him a power up she slaps a tambourine and dances <laughs> do it Gotoge do it Gotoge <laughs> I mean if you put on the earrings you might, you might be able to channel Gotoge <laughs> but yeah I, 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 it's gotta be something like that if, if the series doesn't have one like sibling team up like again yes. like I, I will be really upset that would be the one thing that I would be like, okay, when I'm telling people, okay, Team Slayer is amazing, but Gotoke didn't have that. They one dropped more. the ball on that. Yeah, I'm sorry. The rest of the series is great, but just avoid the last volume. Yeah. Demon Slayer automatically becomes a one out of ten. Exactly. Like I would recommend the other twenty volumes, but not that twenty first. It's just it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> Be like those people on on YouTube on on Twitter burning their bleach volumes. Oh my god! <laughs> Such a waste of manga. Just sell them. Just just go sell them. <laughs> that that I just. Oh man, I, I I'm I'm not going to go on a whole tangent about because I don't get shipping, so it, it's whatever, whatever floats your boat, do it. But I'm just like I'm with Velor, like there there's so many other options. You give it to a library. <laughs> just there's so many other options you could have had to do than that. Those books are worth money. <laughs> <laughs> I paid money for those. 
Uh, yeah, that's the thing. You pay money for them. Why not just... I don't get that. Like, if you really hate Bleach that much, there's there are so many other things you could do. What message are you sending? You already bought them. <laughs> Look at me. I got yeah. bad decisions. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Over what? I mean, like, I, I, I know I have no... I have no room to talk because I'm not reading. I'm not reading Black Clover because of one character. So I have no room to talk about just saying how could you trash a whole series for one thing? Yes, but you're burning volumes of Black Clover. True, <laughs> true. But it's just like I, I, I have no room to talk. But on that level, but it's just like, and it's the end of the series too. Like it, you, you, you had great time with this series for like what seventy volumes, and then the last chapter didn't work out the way you expected, and now seventy volumes aren't worth it anymore. <laughs> anyway, well, hopefully, no one will be burning volumes of a uh, Demon Slayer when it ends. Yeah, we all know Demon Slayer is going to end on the the real the canon shit. Tanjiro, Inosuke and Tanjiro, X happiness. <laughs> that's it's what they deserve. It's what they need. But th- yeah, that's who we like. <laughs> Our poor boy uh, needs a good life. He does. He needs more of a pe- he needs more of a quiet life than Kira and Muzan did. I don't know. I don't know if he's willing to do that himself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't say I didn't say he'd do it himself. I, I just said he needed it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take on uh, Uzui's legacy and get a harem. Yes, I am the lord of the mountain, and these are my concubines. Question mark. Uh, and they're all just be boars. It's the forty-seven feral pigs from that newspaper article. <laughs> <laughs> I think we exhausted the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> How long did this was- one end up going? Uh, we're at an hour and twenty-five minutes. Wow, that is almost double the length of the last one. <laughs> and this time it wasn't my fault. <laughs> At least not completely. <laughs> we'll see about that in editing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, final thoughts. Uh, it, it's an interesting... Uh, again, I just remain with my thing that I just find it interesting that Muzan went from kill all humans to... No, I'd rather actually go to bed. <laughs> Could you guys maybe not do this? I, I just find that dichotomy really interesting. Yeah, I I think I brought up all the the panels and sequences that really came to mind. But uh, for a transitional chapter, this is pretty entertaining. And I really hope we get uh, Mitsuri and Igoro soon. Because um, I still have no idea what the hell snake breathing looks like. Like... <laughs> it's been on my mind since like his debut and I'm just like oh. I could have sworn that they showed it already right? I don't I don't remember if they did it if it did happen yeah, that, I, it wasn't it wasn't captivating enough give, give us a, a really cool panel has he had yeah, a role yeah, in any arc prior to this? he hasn't had a dedicated arc Mitsuri plays a big role in a uh, in Swordsmith Village, but Igoro hasn't had his own arc. So it's about time for him to do something, because he sounds like the only pillar going to this final arc who didn't do Jack. Not her arc. Yeah, I mean, there was also Gyome, but Gyome got a lot of uh, 
focus at the beginning of this arc. Yeah, and then through that side from Tokusibo. So yeah. this guy, Igoro, he's got to have, like, some character development. Yeah, before this yeah I mean, I, I, yeah, I got to give us manlet rights. Yeah, exactly. We got it. I I feel like they have I they have shown him, but it's it's been in a less. It hasn't been in a demon demon slaying like capacity. It's all, it's been kind of a uh, here's what I can do real quick. Isn't that? Cool? Yeah, I think it was probably a really brief panel, if I'm recalling. Yeah, I I kind of I'm kind of like I'm remembering. I don't remember the situation, but I'm remembering he did do something, but it wasn't like in an official. Okay, we're about to fight, you know, type thing. Also, it's, I, I find it funny that, like, him and uh, Mitsuri have spent all this time together, but there was, like, no, not even, like, joke, jokey, like, ship teasing. Because uh, I think we, we know that, like, he has, like, a crush on her or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think isn't that, like, the joke, like, Mitsuri's, like, has the hots for, like, all the guys in, like, the Hashira, except for, like, uh, Igoro. Yeah. <laughs> and then he has, like, a crush on her. Yeah, she loves everybody except the guy who loves her. That's <laughs> ain't that a story? <laughs> Lord, <laughs> what, are, what are your final thoughts? <laughs> hmm, my final thoughts? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I thought this just was a really chilling chapter, and then like it just got me super hyped for this upcoming Muzan fight. Um, and. That's basically it. Like, I'm just excited to see where things go from here, because there's so many different directions uh, this fight can go in. Yeah, I agree. Lum, do you have any final thoughts? Great chapter. Really great villain. Who's on? Super looking forward to the fight between him and Tanjiro and Gyu. And, of course, seeing the developments of the series continue in terms of how will the other characters get involved in this battle? Hmm. Well, okay then. I guess we should just plug our stuff and get out of here then. So, Sakaki, where can the good people find you? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm at Kiro at Kirobon, K-I-I-R-O-B-O-N at Twitter. Um, but the real fun, where I'm really interesting and apparently a lot of people seem to like that place for some reason, is w is at WSS Talkback. That's where I talk about Shonen Sunday, and you can also check out the blog at wsstalkback.blogspot.com. And I talk about everything to do with Shonen Sunday and whatnot. So the most recent thing we have is a Conan review from the yeah. know, from from Jekka ten twenty one on Twitter, and apparently that's and that's super popular. So everybody should check that out. And Marion, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at microwavy the E before the V, and I'm also co-hosting on the Good Friends Anime Club at Good Friends Cast on Twitter. It's where me and two other friends get together, uh, just shoot the shit, uh, have like, some friendly, inclusive conversations. Uh, sometimes we talk about LGBT topics, uh, fun stuff. Uh, we're going to be recording soon for like a, like a game-centered episode. Uh, we, we usually do like regular-themed uh, episodes and then like the next week will be like uh, about games and stuff. Uh, look forward to that. Also, later tonight, actually, we're going to record for at Haiku Pod, uh, that we've heard in the top. Uh, the new arc has started in Haiku and it's like super hype. Um, <laughs> obviously, like some people, not everyone has like taken to this like huge change with like 
open arms, but we're going to talk about it. Um, uh, the episode for that is probably going to be up uh, probably a little later after this one. This this episode you're listening to now goes up, so uh, I guess stay tuned in for that. And also, uh, one one last thing. I actually I saw One Piece Stampede uh, last week, or the week before. And I actually, I wrote a spoiler-free review. I was, like, hit with inspiration. I'm like, oh, man, I got to write about this. And so I wrote a, I wrote for the first time in a while. And it's on uh, it's on my, my writing blog, uh, heavensdoorknob.wordpress.com. Please check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think I saw that tweet, actually. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm open to any feedback. It's been a while since I've written. And I want to, like, get back into it. Mm. And, Lum, where can people find you? You can find me at Lum Ramesha on a variety of places, including Animation Revelation and Annulus. Wherever there's a Lum Ramayasha, that's where you can find me. Also on Twitter at Lum Ramayasha. But if you want to read my writing you can, on manga and movies and all sorts of things, you can go to all-comedy.com and I write manga reviews there. And there's definitely a lot coming. We're getting a lot of books in lately. So definitely expect to see more on there. But also, of course, you can check out the Manga Mavericks podcast, which is a regular podcast that I co-host with my good friend Colton, where we discuss the latest happenings in the manga industry, covering all the recent news, as well as doing great series retrospectives and interviews with guests working in the industry. A lot of fun times. And we've got a great November slate of episodes coming out. Half of those episodes are already available for you folks to listen on our Patreon. I just posted a bunch of episodes for early access for our patrons earlier today at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, which includes our New York Comic Con 2019 report, which Wheelord was on, and we went through all our time at the convention covering a bunch of news that came out of it, including the Shonen Jump panel and even more special events like the Yu Yu Hakusho reunion panel. Tons of fun stuff. And also we've got coming out and is available on our Patreon early is our Saint Seiya retrospective with the editor and translator of that series for Wiz Media, Shane and Garrity and Dr. Mari Morimoto. That was an incredible conversation. They shared so many awesome insights into the series and working on the series so that's a definite must for Seiya fans and fans of classic shonen in general. Later on in the month, we're going to be doing an episode on the latest new simulpubs on Shonen Jump and Manga Plus, including his time for Torture Princess and the new Dr. Stone spin-off. And finally, rounding off the month, we'll have our long-awaited Beastars episode that we recorded in September with the folks over at Manga Machinations who are like the biggest fans of Beastars that we know. They've been uh, preaching about the series for two years. It was awesome to have a great conversation, spoiler-free conversation with them about the teams of the series, and that was a ton of fun. In addition to all our regular episodes, Manga Mavericks at Movies, which we were co-hosts, is also making a comeback. We're releasing our Let Me Eat Your Pancreas episode. Next week, we've got upcoming episodes on Film Gold in the works, so you can look forward to that as well. So, Manga Mavericks, uh, check that out if you want some good manga talk. But, Velor, speaking of uh, podcasts and writing, what about you? Plug your stuff. Um, people can find me on Twitter 
at VLORGTZ, where I mainly talk about manga or whatever I'm doing at the time. Um, and you can find my more manga-focused reviews over on all-comic.com. Um, like Llama, I'm doing a lot of stuff over there right now, a lot of different reviews of a lot of different series, so there's probably something on there that you're interested in. And uh, of course, I'm also doing Tanami-focused articles and reviews for TanamiFaithful.com, so go check out that stuff as well if you want some uh, good Tanami fan goodness. Beyond that, you can find the podcast on Twitter at DSlayerPodcast, and the, you can find the podcast itself um, on a multitude of platforms, including Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Um, we're basically on, I think, all the major like uh, podcast-like platforms at this point, and we're, I think we're trying to get on to more as well. So you can probably find us on, like, most places at this point. But, uh, yeah, that about does it for this episode. So, see you guys later. See ya. Sayonara. Later. <laughs> later. <laughs>